Church, I want to ask, have you ever gotten or given a really, really, really lame gift to somebody? <laughs> you know, growing up here at Parkway, I was in the school, and every year around Christmas time, Parkway would put on a school store, and we had the opportunity to go buy gifts for our families. Uh, the problem is there was a lot of good gifts for, you know, other kids and women. There wasn't that many great gifts for, you know, fathers. And so there was one year that, you know, I bought a gift and my two brothers bought a gift for our dad. And on Christmas morning, my dad opened up from each of us the same American Eagle paperweight on Christmas morning. Look, I don't even know what you do with a paperweight because he's in an office. There's no wind coming through. And I could tell that even from a dad who loves his kids, he was wishing we could do just a little bit better. After collecting probably six of them already before that, I think he's probably got a collection of about nine or ten American Eagle paperweights. When I was about 16 years old, when I had... Uh, it was Taylor, my, my girlfriend at the time. It was her birthday. And I didn't really know what to get her. I was a young man, probably too young to be dating. Definitely every parent in the room said amen. <laughs> and I went to her birthday and I brought her flowers and chocolate because I heard that girls like flowers and chocolate. And she was so disappointed when I showed up. And I'm like, why? I thought girls like flowers and chocolate. And she said, no, those aren't a birthday gift. Those are Valentine's Day gifts. And I'm like, oh, okay. And my young 16-year-old mind was learning how not to give lame gifts. Church, we give good or we give lame gifts based on the person that we're buying gifts for. You know, so when your aunt from 500 miles away sends you some dry biscuits as a gift for Christmas, you say, you know, not my favorite thing, but it was a nice thought. But if wives... Your husbands for Valentine's Day decide to take you to Sonic or Burger King and hand you a present in the car with some dry biscuits. Well, I can imagine that's not going to go well for that man that night. Why? Because the value of the gift signifies the value of the relationship to whom it's given. The value of the gift signifies the value of the relationship. And so I'm not saying, young men especially, I'm not saying that when you find that one in a million girl, that you need to spend a million dollars on her. Don't hear me say that. And, and if you need some help, I, I direct your attention back into the sound booth. Mr. Matt Clug is the best gift giver I know. Right, just, just a, a couple of months ago, right, I'm just walking around the church, we're working together, and all of a sudden this man, out of nowhere, out of his backpack, pulls out a pint of watermelon for me. Right, in church, that's like my favorite food, okay? And, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, did he spend big bucks on this? No, I think it said $1.67. So thank you, Clug, for that $1.67. But it wasn't about the big bucks that he spent on me. It was the thought, right? It, it made my day. I'm like, no way. Somebody in the middle of my workday just brought me a little cup of watermelon just because he knows that I like it. And I talk about it way too much. And I'm saying, I'm saying for those who matter, we put thought, we put care, and we put time into getting meaningful gifts. And this is coming from the guy who buys his dad American pe uh, Eagle paperweights every single year. 
Okay? Today we're talking about bringing God gifts and, and what kind of gifts does God desire from his people. And we're going to be in the book of Genesis. If you have your Bibles, you can join me in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. You know, the gifts that we bring today to God aren't flowers or biscuits or, or paperweights. Today we're talking about the gift of worship that we bring. And I want to ask, what kind of worship does God desire? Is he, and is he pleased with the offerings that we bring? And so in Genesis chapter 4, before we get there, this is the first story in the Bible that speaks of bringing offerings to God. And so for those of you who, who know the, the Bible pretty well, this is way before the law. Way before the law, people still offered worship to God by sacrificing something that they owned. And so at the time, there's four people on earth, two of whom have screwed up really bad, and one who's about to. This is Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read verses 2 through 7. They say this. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Will, uh, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is the word of the Lord. Don't miss this, church, that before there were laws ever given by God to Moses and the people of Israel regarding, you know, the quality of sacrifices given, God rejects Cain's offering because it was just his leftovers. It wasn't, it wasn't that, you know, Abel brought a steak and Cain brought fruit that disappointed God, right? Don't misunderstand. God's not a carnivore. He wasn't upset with the food itself. He was upset because Abel brought the filet mignon to God, and Cain brought some of the apples at the orchard that he found on the ground. You know, the more I grow up, I realize there are generally, there are two types of steaks, Okay? There are steaks that you go and you buy and you see that they, they look pretty good. They got white marbling throughout. They got the right amount of fat. And when you cook them up just right, you bite into it and you go, man, is God good. Right? That's one kind of steak. The other kind of steak is the type of steak that you buy. And I'm pretty sure a bulldozer can run over it. You can beat that thing with a hammer and you cook it and you still can't possibly chew that thing. Right? Raise your hand if you've had that second kind of steak in your life. All right. Raise your hand if you're the person that cooks those kinds of steaks. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Church, God wants the fat, right? God wants that good kind of steak from Abel. Why? Is it because God is bougie? You know the word bougie? Is it because he's bougie? He's high maintenance? Not at all. It's because if, if Abel would have brought the tail or he'd have brought, I don't know, the bladder to God, something that you just throw out, it's no good, some nasty part of the cow, 
That's not a sacrifice to him. That's just his leftovers. God wants our best. Again, the value of the gift signifies the value of the relationship. You know, just this week, while I was busy at work, working hard, you know, working real hard, <laughs> my wife had an off day and she, was, she went to Olive Garden for lunch. Something's wrong with that. While I'm working hard, she's at Olive Garden. Oh, I love Olive Garden, church. Fresh cracked pepper. Oh, and they come by, do you want to little, add a little cheese? Oh, of course I want to add some cheese to my salad, right? And as they're grinding that cheese, oh, it just so tempts me to never stop. You know what I'm saying? Right, just build up a pile of cheese on the salad. Oh, I love Olive Garden. I'm German too, so that's good Italian eating to me. Maybe the Italians in the room are like, boy, you don't know nothing. That's all right, I'm German, I can deal with it. And so Taylor tells me, hey, you know what, I got some... Uh, Olive Garden leftovers for dinner. And I'm thinking, man, we're going to eat good. We're eating some shrimp scampi tonight. We're going to eat real good. And then she opened it up and she brought some, some, lettuce, some lettuce that had been drenched in dressing for about, I don't know, eight hours and warmed up in the car. Right? Even as I'm talking about, oh, wilted lettuce drenched in dressing. For, makes, me want to, makes me want to gag. It makes me want to gag right now. And church, that's God's response to Cain's offering. Right? And for, for everyone over 20, about 23 years old, I'm going to teach you a word today. Here we go. I learned this from the Gen Zers. You know, this area over here in the church. Everyone say mid. M-I-D. Everyone say mid. Okay. This means average or below average quality. I'll use it in a sentence so you understand what I'm saying. The donuts after the service better not be mid or I'll be upset. Okay. I'll do another sentence so that those of us over 23 can understand. How was school today, Grant? I mean, not Grant, I can't say your name. That's where I learned it from. He'll say, eh, it was mid, right? Average or below average quality. And the reason I'm teaching you today, church, is God is not interested in your offering that's mid. He's not interested in a mid offering. God wants our very best. And now maybe you don't use the word mid, and I sure hope you do because that's gonna be hilarious for your grandkids who are like, what? Grandpa started saying mid after he went to church. It's kind of weird. I hope you start doing it. Just make them a little bit uncomfortable, right? I like picking up these words a little bit after they're trendy and they're just like, dude, you just sound old. And I'm like, that's right where I want to be. But that's what, that's what Cain is doing. He's bringing this very average, just below average offering. And God is saying, dude, I, I want your best. And why was God upset with Cain? This is what I want us to see today, church. God was not upset with Cain because Cain forgot to bring an offering. Cain did. He did bring an offering. It's not because Cain didn't bring the right amount either. He brought the right amount. He brought an offering. The problem with Cain's offering was he brought his leftovers. Right? He brought his eight-year-old salad. He took his share that he enjoyed and then brought God whatever else was left. How many ever showed up somebody invites you over for dinner and you're like, wow, cool, let's go over for dinner. And you start to see these things busted out. The second you see these things, you're like, no, I'm going the other way. I thought we were eating fresh cooked food. What is this? That's what Cain was bringing to God. And this is so much a story that's part of the Bible all the way through the Old Testament. God is continually rejecting the offerings, the sacrifices of Israel because they're giving him all apples off the ground. They're buying him $1 steaks and inviting him over for dinner. 
There's two scriptures that I want to read. Maybe you're quite familiar with. Isaiah 29, 13 says this. This is Isaiah speaking. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that have been taught. Right, the Lord is saying these people, right? They they show up like they know how to speak the words. They show up because their parents made them come to church, or their wives made them come to church, or I don't know, it's Mother's Day and maybe I should go, or the priesters show up. But they're like, hey, they 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 go, they worship, their mouth sings, but they don't care. There's nothing going on in the heart. And for them, worship has become a career. It's become a rule, and they they do it because well, there's a chore. But there's no passion to be found in the hearts of the people at the time. Just like that later, we find in Malachi 1.8. We talked about this. uh, I talked about it last week. God answers the people of Israel saying this. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. God is saying, like, why are you bringing me your leftovers? Like, you couldn't even get away with this with your governor. And and the interesting thing about the people in Malachi, right, these people are living the good life. The the exile is over, and they're finally back, and they're starting to rebuild, and they're starting to feel good about themselves because, like, man, you see that wall over there? I built that with my bare hands, right? And they're starting to bring back resources into Jerusalem. They're starting to grow again. And maybe they started to treat themselves, right? They're not so different than us today. They, they start to believe they're kind of important, and they treat themselves, and they have a good time. And then, you know, not for us, the equivalent is they show up to church the next day with bags under their eyes because they went hard over the weekend, but then they bring God their second best, right? They're, they're sleeping through church because, you know, Saturday was the priority, not Sunday morning for them, right? They're bringing God blind sheep. They're bringing cows, but they got mad cow disease, They're bringing God the stuff that they don't want. And church, what what Cain and the people in Isaiah and the people in Malachi have in common is this. They're treating God like Salvation Army. They keep the good stuff at home in the drawers, the stuff that they like, but they drop off the stretched out, the stained stuff for somebody else to wear that they don't really want. God is not content with your leftovers. God is not content with your second best. God is not content with the same old American eagle (laughs) paperweight. He wants the best that we have today. Church, I actually spent more money in second grade on the gift that I got my dad. And Taylor spent more money at Olive Garden this week for my lame salad than Clug did on the watermelon. And I'm not even including inflation from second grade. That was 20 years ago almost. I'm not including inflation. The amount of money that we spend on a gift is not the question. The thing that matters is the quality, right? The heart behind the gift. And with the rest of our time today, I want to talk about four tools of the devil that lead us to bring Cain type of offerings to God. I want to talk about tools that that, that, that make us bring blind sheep to God and say, this is what I got for you today. Four tools. The first one is disappointment. This is the first tool of the devil that causes us to bring a lame sacrifice to God. Disappointment. Frustration. 
And this is very, this is hitting very close to home this week at our church. At least for me it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you're not comfortable with me talking about my disappointment, my frustration with God, but that's the real story of my heart this week. Right as I'm hearing the news, as, I'm, as I wake up on Tuesday morning and I got sex, pray for a miracle, pray for a miracle. And so I do. And, and I know I'm not the only one that got to text. Right? We're praying for miracles. Then I get a text on Wednesday morning that Valerie's passed away. God, what the heck, man? God, what is this? You, you, we're praying, God. We're, we're laying things out before you. How could this possibly be your will? And I tell you what, the disappointment in my heart has made it real difficult to worship God this week. Because I'm frustrated, because I don't understand. We must get to the place that says, even though I'm frustrated, even though I don't understand, God, you're still good. Right? That's the place that we have to get to. God, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And church, that's just an example. That's one tool of the devil that causes us to bring a lame sacrifice today. Maybe that's happened for you. Maybe as you're showing up today, it's like, God, I... I this is the type of worship you deserve today, God. That's the first tool, disappointment. The second tool of the devil that causes us to bring a lame sacrifice to God is doubts, kind of related. Right? You ever feel like sometimes the, re, the, the, the words that you read in this book are different than the ones that you experienced? Everyone ever struggle with this verse, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. <laughs> right, I don't understand. I don't understand all the time, right? And sometimes doubts creep in, right? And I'm not here today to try to answer those difficult questions. I'm simply talking about stuff that weighs us down, stuff that impacts our offerings to God. Man, have I prayed a lot of times in my life and I've believed with everything inside of me and the exact opposite of what I desire comes about. Anybody else? Anybody ever? Is any, am, I the, am I the only one? <laughs> I feel like this all the time. Sometimes it's hard to worship when doubts creep in. But I, but I want to say, church, do, do our doubts mean that God is less faithful? Not, not for a second, right? It actually means for me that my expectations of God are based on my wishes. <laughs> when I get disappointed, when I have doubts, it's because I think God is this. And when he shows himself a different way, I get frustrated because my concept of God is not correct. He's still good, even though I don't understand. And by the way, church, just because you have doubts, and maybe I'm talking to somebody today, just because you have doubts doesn't mean that you have less faith. You can have just the same amount of faith and have doubts at the same time. There's allowed to be a tension. Just because you have doubts doesn't mean, oh, you must not be somebody of faith. No, I have a whole lot of faith in my God. But these doubts creep in. And I want to say probably, church, a lot of us could talk about it today. The most mature faith that happens is when you can, when you can worship through doubt. When you can worship through the questions. That's mature faith. Not just pretending, oh, no, there's never been a problem. <laughs> Strap on the smile. What does that get us? The first tool is disappointment. The second tool is doubt. The third tool today, and I think this might hit most of us in this room, is routine. 
The routine of going to church, the routine can sometimes diminish our desire to bring a good sacrifice to our God. You know, for those who've been here, I don't know, a million times or so, right, give or take a couple hundred thousand, when I hear about some of the, some of the days of old, when, when I think some of y'all were here seven days a week, every single day, right? Been, a, been, in this, been in this place a lot. I think this, for us, this can become a tool of the devil that can creep in so easily, right? Oh, we've sung this song so many times, I can't stand this song. <laughs> I've heard this Cain and Abel story 50 times in my life. And, and, and the last time was way better, <laughs> Right? I already know what Jesus did for me. Oh, yeah, the cross. I get it, okay? Right? I've said this before. Never once do angels in heaven leave God's throne after worshiping him and say, I'm not feeling it today. <laughs> when I ask you, if, if, you're, if you're bored in church, well, what did you bring God today? What did you bring him today? Did, with all due respect, I'm not at anybody, but... Did you bring a critical spirit about how things aren't as good as they used to be? Did you bring a spirit of things, you, things are better down the road, just a couple miles down the road at the other church? Right? If, if you depend on the worship team and you depend on Pastor Pat for your relationship to grow with God or for the worship to be good enough that you feel it and you're awesome and the spirit of God is on you, bro, right? you have the problem. You have the problem if you need everybody else to do the work for you to feel good enough to worship God the way that you should. Church, worship is not about you. It's not about you. It's about our God, right? And so if, you're, if we're more worried on, on a Sunday morning of who's behind me, right? And, oh, man, I better, I better close my eyes because, you know, that guy's watching me behind me, right? Or I, 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 better, I better lift my hands because, you know, if I'm not, they might think that I'm less spiritual today. Forget all that. Worship is not about you. It's about, it's about our creator. It's about our creator. Right, we've come to the house of God to worship the almighty God with the people of God for the glory of God. You know what's missing in that sentence is the word you. It is. And so what type of offering have you brought the Lord today? And I'm preaching to myself today. What type of offering have I brought? Are we bringing a, I've heard all this before, type of offering. Or are we bringing a, I love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. That's the offering that he desires. Regardless of the service or the experience, the offering that we present to God should never waver. It doesn't. Same God, right? And the last, so we got disappointment, we got doubts. We have routine, and the last one is simply just wandering eyes. I think this is a tool that the devil uses to distract us from bringing a good sacrifice to our God. Just wandering eyes. Maybe it's a, it's a time that slipped, you know, maybe 25 years ago, maybe 75 years ago for some of us, you became a Christian and, and you met God. You met Jesus and, and you realized the, the problem of your sin and you realized there's nothing I can do to get myself out of this. And you reached up to Jesus and he saved your soul. And it was awesome, but that was 75 years ago. And maybe over time, or maybe that was one year ago, and it was great then. But over time, you know, maybe your attention has kind of shifted back to the things of the world. Maybe money's got your attention. Maybe working more hours for a promotion's got more attention. Maybe just getting better stuff. Like, I can't drive this car anymore. Right? I, I got to get myself a boat. My neighbor's got a boat. I got to update the kitchen, man. Everybody else got to update the kitchen, not me. 
I know who that is. Maybe there's a duel inside of us for our priority. Check this out. We, we, we know the word priority. I, I hear people talk about my, my top five priorities are this. Here's the thing, guys. The Latin word priority has the root word prior, which means first. And, and, and so technically, you can't have multiple priorities because that means you have multiple first. And church, I want to ask you today, what is your priority? Because in life, if your top five priorities are God, family, whatever, whatever, and work, that doesn't work, right? Our lives and the word priority, you can only have one. And so, so which rules? That, that's really what it is. You can't have them all. Which rules? Your wishes or bringing God the best that you have? And I want to, remember, I want to remind you, Cain did show up. Cain did go to church. Cain did worship God with his mouth. But the, but the offering that he brought was not worthy to be brought to the creator of the world. There's a, there's a lot of other tools that the devil could use. You know, you lost your awe. Maybe you've never fallen in love with Jesus. But I'm not going to belabor the point. You understand. I simply want to ask you today, church. Is the offering that you bring to him on a daily basis, and is the offering that you brought to him today the very best that you have? And is the offering that you're going to bring tomorrow, Monday, or how many know we better bring offerings more than once a week? <laughs> the fire doesn't stay lit if we only light it once a week, right? The, the offering that you're going to bring Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and next Sunday, is that the best that you have? Because God, he's not willing, he, he's not a Tupperware type of God, right? He doesn't, he doesn't take your leftovers. He's a jealous God who wants all of you, and he wants the very best for you. And church, the reason out of, the, 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 the underlying reason for all of this, why we must bring our best to God today is because of this. God gave his absolute best for you. That's why. We're, we're responding to what God has done for us. He's gave his best for us. It says that in Genesis chapter 1, when God created the world, the first five days, he's making, you know, fish, he's making trees, he's making, uh, you know, the skies and the waters, and he says, it is good. And then on the sixth day when he creates man, what does he say? It is very good, right? He made humanity, he made you and I in his image, right? Like, I don't know, I watch Animal Planet all the time, I watch YouTube videos of animals, I love animals, right? Cheetahs are cool, they're the fastest animals, right? Blue whales are cool, they're huge, Right there, like hearts are bigger than a car. Awesome, great. But you know what, church? God did something special when he created us. Right, as, as ferocious as a lion can be, there's laws against humans taking out lions because we're smarter than them, we're better than them. God made us better than everything else. We're the apex predators, guys. God put something extra in us. We're, we're smart. These, these animals got nothing on us. So God gave his very best when he made us. He made us in his image. Not only that, God gave us everything that we needed, but then Cain's parents, Adam and Eve, threw it back in his face and said, God, we actually know better. And because of their sin, right, the world's been cursed and sin enters all of us. But then God didn't give up on us. He gave his very best again. He sent his son Jesus to be the permanent sacrifice for our sins. The permanent sacrifice. Right? How many are grateful that, that the mercy of God doesn't run out? How many are grateful that the blood of Jesus doesn't run out? 
I'm thankful because I feel like I've used up too much of it and I'm hoping there's some for the rest of you. And all we gotta do today is believe in him and you'll be saved. And not only that, God promises us something in the future, right? He promises us eternal life. He says, you'll be in the very presence of God forever and ever for absolutely no price at all. Church, I wanna ask, do you know him today? Do you know him today? Do you know that God today? And if you do, church, I wanna encourage you, bring your best to God day in and day out. He gave all for you and to you. The very least we could do is bring our best back to God. And if you don't know him, if you don't know this Jesus, maybe this is the first time you're here today, you've never heard about this Jesus guy. What I wanna do is I wanna encourage elders and deacons who, who, who can come up front and can pray. Right? If you've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward and pray with them and they'll be happy to share with you the good news that can save your soul today. And the elders and deacons are gonna be up here today. And, and, and if you are just somebody that's just like, you know what, man, for years, right? It's been 75 years since I've had that same passion. It's been 75 years, it's been, I don't know, five years, it's been, even if it's been a few weeks that you've been bringing God your mid-sacrifice. But I want you to just, just come up and lay it at the altar today. Talk with someone, pray with someone. Right, there's grace for you. I promise, I didn't exhaust all the grace. I've used a lot of it, but there's more. Maybe it's been a long time since you've left your very best at the altar before God. And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. What, I, I, don't wanna, I, wanna, I don't wanna say today, church, bring your best, let's go get donuts. That doesn't make sense. What I wanna do is I want, the, the worship team's gonna be back up here and we're gonna sing that song, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And we're gonna praise our creator today. And, and if, if you wanna come up and pray, our elders and deacons, they're already here, right? You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to wonder if they're gonna show up. They're already here. Come pray if you, if you have some confessing to do before God because remember, Cain brought an offering, but it wasn't good enough for God. And so if not, maybe just stand up. Why don't we just stand up and let's, let's praise our God. Maybe you're like, man, I'm on fire with, for God. I've been bringing my best since I've been saved. Awesome. Let's do it again right now as we praise our God.